Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder. We're going to be talking about all the good stuff. We're going to be talking about building, scaling, and financing, but also financing via the private equity route. So uh, I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Davis Sixnance. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, thanks for having me. So originally born there in Latvia. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up? Well, I was born in 1991. Uh, it's right after the fall of Soviet Union and Latvia regaining independence. Uh, really had a normal and happy childhood. Uh, and uh, I just happy to be living a time when internet came into its you know, being and allowing me and others to actually make businesses uh, on top of that, you know, internet growth. Um, I'm, from an early age, I was actually interested in technology and and um, I was, you know, playing around with computers. Um, as first as first computer I got and learning software development on my own in, uh, in my bedroom. I remember like there was even a time when I didn't have internet at home, but I was going to a local library that had internet. I was just downloading materials and bring it to home to, you know, code and think around the computer uh, all through uh, late at night. I mean, at 13, I mean, that's quite early. So uh, what was that? How did you encounter, you know, the world of computers? What, what got you into it? I mean, how, how did that happen? I, I just kind of gravitated towards it. And, uh, you know, I liked, you know, it was, you know, just using internet, the local library, just, uh, you know, being from relatively small town in a relatively small country, it was just awesome to see that through Google or Wikipedia or internet, you get access to, you know, world's knowledge. I was just naturally gravitating towards that. And be one of your cousins, you know, that's how you got, you know, really into, you know, really the world of, uh, of technology. So, uh, so what happened there? Yeah, my cousin was living in a different town, so we were actually connected over Skype and IRC chat at the time, and he was a bit more technical than mine. Like, when I was learning software development, he, uh, he you know, helped me do that, and he just was a way better software developer than I was. And he had a, a classmate that was a designer. So from ages maybe 14 to 17, we were just working on different projects together, websites, you know, for businesses, building a game, etc. And it just happened that he joined, you know, one of, at the time, and still to this day, one of the exciting workplaces in Latvia, which is Draugemi Group. And uh, he joined at the age of 17 as the first iOS developer, the same year the iPhone came out. And I joined a year later, yeah, his recommendation, as an IT administrator, because the company was growing uh, and needed just someone who would, you know, help people and coworkers use computers as they were hiring non-technical talent at the same time. So I got the job at really early age of 18 and lucky to still be at that group today. And you obviously experienced the American culture too, because uh, you, 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 you did your studies in information systems. So what was that experience like? Yeah, I was always wanted to study in the United States, uh, and I didn't get a chance to do that on a high school level. And luckily, through applying to scholarships, I 
uh, got to experience that uh, in Wisconsin, University of Eau Claire, on a university level. And at the time in Latvia, you couldn't learn something that combined IT and business, but in the United States, you can. So I really like that, the factor that uh, it was not either software development or business, but you could do something that's more liberal arts, where you can combine the two things. And I actually filled my time in the United States University mostly on uh, not just IT courses, but courses focused on marketing, how to sell to American audience, which really came in handy when I started working on new businesses, including Printful, where the primary target market was the United States. So let's talk about that. What was, because when you, when you finished your studies, you got into trying different ideas. You had like a bunch of them. And then you realized that the Printful, you know, was uh, ultimately the one that made the most uh, amount of sense. So what was that process like? Why testing all different ideas? How do you go about, hey, you know, let's, let's go into testing all these ideas. And what was that moment where you all were like Printful deserves all of our focus? Well, just you need to try a lot of times to find the ones that worked. I mean, over the course of, which in group's history is now 19 years, we have tried over 100 different business ideas. And, um, and we came from a position where we always used our own capital because in early 2000s, there were no venture capitalists or there were no banks that would lend to uh, technology or internet businesses. And uh, we tried to work on different ideas that we could start with a you know relatively small amount of capital like you know 100,000 uh, k per se and we were lucky that we had a social network you know that's our first business that really worked we actually took the idea of friendster adapted to latvia and that was our first idea that worked but um uh, you know we just tried a bunch of different ideas uh, and the connecting factor was the only factor that there was a software developer, there was a designer, and there was a business-focused project manager slash CEO who worked on it. And uh, we just brought it to the market. And every time we brought it to the market, we tried to use you know, the similar techniques and you know, recycle them and recycle audience as well. And just focus on the business where you know, it went up to the, to the right. And the businesses that didn't work as well and we lost interest, we either closed down, sold out, uh, sold, or gave to someone else to manage. So I was actually at one time running five business ideas at the same time. So, so one thing there that, that you mentioned that I thought it was very interesting is that you know, you've been part of testing you know, tons and tons of ideas. Uh, and I guess before we really do the deeper dive and double click on Printful, I want to ask you, because I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are listening. How do you come to the point or to the conclusion or to the conclusion that an idea has legs and that is worth pursuing as a business? Well, to be honest, we didn't do, you know, that much research. We felt like we can put in the MEP together with our internal resource relatively uh, fast and so we didn't focus on research. We focused on developing MVP and trying to bring it to market as soon as possible and basically base our feedback, whether it has legs or not, on customer feedback. So um, you know, when even in the launch Printful, we actually just emailed the link to a landing page that had a sign-up page, but behind the sign-up page there was no actual product. The one of uh, audience for existing business, which was Starter Vitamins, which is a e-commerce store for posters 
And once we saw that a lot of people just clicked on an email and converted and signed up and were really interested in a product, that just, okay, this makes sense. Now we will invest about you know three to six months in actually building the product behind it. So then let's talk about Printful. So um, especially for the people that are listening, what ended up being the business model of Printful? We came up with Printful because we operated online store starter vitamins and uh, we you know, we were selling posters on demand. So we bought a poster printer and we bought paper and all that was done on demand. And actually posters are a great product to do uh, where you have no minimums, you don't hold any inventory and you do it on demand. Each poster can be different. But we looked at amount of products sold on the internet and the biggest category there is apparel and clothing in general. And we wanted to do the same, you know, approach uh, being no minimum on demand for starter vitamins. And we couldn't find a service that would, you know, integrate with our backend at the time, which was Shopify. We would, you know, pull our orders from Shopify automatically, would fulfill T-shirts on demand, and then provide our backend Shopify uh, with a tracking link and dropship these items to then customers. So we we thought if we as Starter Vitamins have this need, and there's just on the Shopify platform at the time there was hundred thousand stores. Uh, there must be, you know, thousands of stores out there who has the same, same need for a good on-demand drop sharing service for T-shirts and other print products uh, that would specifically, you know, uh, integrate with new e-commerce platforms that were coming uh, to the market at that time. So that's how we came up, you know, with Printful. Again, the first marketing channel was our existing customer base of starter vitamins, and the next it was integrating with platforms like Shopify. WooCommerce and later marketplaces like Etsy to actually drive the initial customer base. So the the company actually quickly became profitable, and uh, you know you guys bootstrapped the operation and you didn't raise any money uh, during the early days like you know the typical company would do. How were you guys able to do that? Well, I you know I think at peak, Star Vitamins did what about one million dollars in top line revenue and did it profitably. You know actually there's good. Uh, profit margins in Walmart category specifically. So we used the starter vitamins profit, for instance, to buy some of the first t-shirt printers. And the first month we launched Printful, it was the, I think we did $800, then $1,600. And within six months, that business was just larger than starter vitamins. And because a business is a vertically integrated manufacturing business, where you operate both the software part, where it integrates with platforms, uh, marketplace and e-commerce platforms, and also the production part, which is t-shirt printers, poster printers, the physical part, we were able to actually get loans from banking and non-banking lenders at competitive rates. As we all know, you know, uh, previous years we enjoyed the period of relatively low interest rates. While some lenders are hesitant to lend technology only, uh, companies, Printful was sort of a, you know, a company that's both a manufacturer and both a technology company in one. So we were actually were able to finance with good, good loans. And, you know, we run a business profitably. We set the competitive but profitable price for our products. And uh, we're just able to finance a lot of from our own cash flow. And you guys were in Latvia. So uh, did you did you feel at any point that you were at a disadvantage because you were there and perhaps not in the United States? Well, one founder was in the United States, another founder was in Latvia, meaning I was in Latvia, 
while the other founder launched was in Los Angeles. So actual physical production from day one happened in Los Angeles. But Latvia was actually an advantage, not a disadvantage, because we were able to quickly build out the marketing and software development teams here, while in Los for instance, just being purely on Los Angeles, United States, we would probably struggle to hire the top talent. While in Latvia, we were sort of recognized as the Google of you know, Latvia. There was no actual Google office on the ground. There was more limited opportunities to work remotely for top firms like it is today. So we we're actually able to get top talent at really competitive rates. If we we're just purely US-based, we wouldn't be able to do that. So actually, that was our advantage. And uh, most top print-on-demand companies are actually from Europe instead of the United States because they use this international talent. And in this case, how did you guys go about dividing and conquering on the talent uh, between the office in the US and then also the office in, in Latvia? And then also, how did you go about making sure that the culture, you know, to a certain degree was unified and there were not that much friction between, you know, one part of the team and the other part of the team? Well, you know, as I said, we would struggle to hire top engineering talent in the United States. So we really didn't go for it. And the United States was very focused on operations. We, As we grew and scaled the company, we hired talent from companies who had operational experience in our field of printing. So uh, there was folks from Amazon, other companies that uh, knew how to do printing, but most other work was actually done in Europe uh, because we just find it easier to hire. In order to have good culture between uh, between the United States and between Europe, we what we end up doing is what had very frequent business trips. We invited colleagues from the United States to Latvia, and a lot of Latvians went over to the United States. We brought some software developers uh, uh, more than early days uh, over to help integrate all the printing systems to make sure they work perfectly inside Printful's facilities. So mostly business trips, and actually, and the challenge was when COVID hit, and we couldn't do that. And how was how was going through COVID for you guys? Well, luckily we had built a pretty good team up until that point. We actually, you know, made out visas for several intra-company transfer employees that transferred over from uh, from Latvia to work in the United States. So if I hadn't built a good team, it would have been much harder. But COVID initially was a shock because most companies didn't know what to do, and we were, you know, temporarily decreasing our uh, actually spend and co uh, and costs in anticipation. Not sure what's going to happen, but I think within a three weeks of initial lockdowns happening, it just really shot up, and we we were basically in hyper gross mode again, where. We, uh, you know, we're facing that in a business like Printful, you cannot just plug in extra servers from Amazon Web Services. We ended up having to build extra new facilities in a time when moving and flying around between countries is limited. So we actually had employees who would stay in isolation for two weeks in a hotel room before they can be go out, for instance, in Canada and uh, build out that new facility. And that is also when the first time we were thinking about in order to absorb this all new growth and opportunity, we actually now need to go out and raise external capital. While up until that point, we were really comfortable being a bootstrap. Hey, guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that, you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. 
And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Severson, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. So at the point, I mean, obviously, you know, so many years being a bootstrapped operation, you know, I'm sure that you guys were a little bit uh, concerned about, hey, you know, like now bringing external people, you know, how how is that going to be? So what was that process like of, um, what was that thought process? And then also, how did you go about raising the money too? Because it was, you know, more going after the private equity side of things versus perhaps the VC uh, side, you know, so why private equity? And then also, what was that thought process on that experience? Well, luckily, we were starting to think about that several years prior to actually around happening. We uh, we got acquainted with Rothschild Investment Bank and specifically their team in New York to talk about potential IPO advisory, just exploring options, how it you know, would go uh, about us eventually being a public company. So we spent you know quite a bit of time uh, in New York with the Rothschild Investment Bank team and them looking at our business and suggesting suggesting certain things that need to be you know improved or updated within a company uh, for us to eventually raise a successful round or eventually go public. So when COVID happened, we actually used them as advisors uh, in this round. And the reason between choosing the private equity round, the VC round, was you know primarily based on the business models of VCs versus. Uh, versus private equity funds. Over the years prior to that, we had several offers to invest, but VC business model is that they always strive for that, you know, one, you know, more than 10x return, sometimes 100x return on their investment. And for us to get the valuation the shareholders would be happy about, we said like the private equity firms are more reasonable. They are going to be more reasonable like, you know, a 3x or 5x return. So, and uh, it would be much easier to manage and work with and getting investment from one investor versus, you know, pulling in five different VCs together, right? So we, uh, that's why, you know, through advice of Rothschild Investment Bank, it was decided that's probably a company like us is more attractive to PE firms. And the fact that company was profitable for all the years that it operated, right? So, um, while some PE firms would not invest in unprofitable um, 
technology businesses. So we are actually able to go in a PE while other firms couldn't. And obviously very attractive for PE firms because you guys were operating for so long. Uh, you were profitable. You had the historicals, you know, running for you and, and on your favor. So you had leverage. So when you were having those discussions, why did you came, you know, to the conclusion, you know, after I'm, I'm sure that you spoke with a bunch that ultimately, you know, the best firm was going to be the one that you guys ended up going with, you know, which was Regal Sagemount, correct? Yeah. Well, the, the way the process work is that there was referrals from the Rothschild Investment Bank and there was our own so the contact book of investors who got into us, with us over the years. And Regal Sageman was one of those companies that actually got to know us earlier to actually us going into that fundraising period. Um, so from all the firms that were running into that funnel, uh, you know, a lot of firms had to be educated. What is print on demand in general? They... You know, there were not a lot of companies in our field because Printful was the first mover into, you know, print on demand for e-commerce. So there was a lot of firms who were just not educated about it. We spent a lot, had to spend a lot of time while Brigal Sageman actually done a lot of their own research and got us. Like they got into details and they spent more time than perhaps some other firms to fully understand us. While others, you know, oh, we don't get it. We cannot, you know, say... You know, Printful is like, you know, this other company in this different field. So we ultimately choose them because they did their homework and uh, really understood us and uh, and wanted to get more into detail than other firms. That's what we found. And how long of a process was it from the moment that you guys were like, okay, I think it makes sense to raise money to the moment that money was in the bank? Mm, six to eight months. And the reason partly being that uh, we wanted to have full financials for 2020, right? Because that was the year the COVID started. And uh, I wanted to have a full financials and I, ideally fully audited financials. We had two fully audited financials by one of the big four firms prior to that. So we actually had three years of fully audited financials. So we finished 2020. In January, we went to the bankers. Here's the full 2020 data. Start you know, testing the waters with investors with this data. And by the time we signed up, we had the fully audited financials and the first few months of the performance of 2021, which is really strong. So it was a timing and that timing helped us to get the, you know, the best terms possible for the company. And I guess for the company too, because being on your own, you know, for so long without any external financing, were there any steps that you guys needed to take, you know, towards, you know, the corporate structure for welcoming these people or welcoming this money? I mean, any anything else there that you had to think through? Well, we actually did that for the years prior. Um, we, you know, figuring out like transfer pricing, you know, any any relations uh, relations to tax and other things, and actually to use the full advantage of us actually. Having a subsidiary in Latvia is actually pretty pretty good because the tax regime in Latvia is very favorable. There's no corporate income tax on uh, on uh, on profit reinvested left in a company. Wow! And we we had to make a bit ch changes around because again the company didn't have outside investors. We've made some changes to option pool and other factors, but not nothing too major uh, to to onboard this investor because it was clean. It was the uh, now, by the time originally it was an LLC in California, 
But during, you know, initial talks with advisors, we changed it to a Delaware-based C-Corp. And that will happen also several years prior to us actually having that round. And and I'm sure that's a very interesting uh, topic, by the way. I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are wondering, LLC versus C-Corp, you know, before taking money. Like, what, what did your advisors tell you and why did you end up going with a C-Corp out of Delaware? Well, for in California, again, is not like super, like from a tax perspective, friendly state. One factor was, you know, do, choosing just a different state. Another factor is LLC, where the main shareholders' finances are too intertwined with company finances, right? So we needed to actually separate them and have a much cleaner look because, like Lars, the co-founder who was living in, in LA, his personal finances was intervening with the company. And, and ultimately, uh, taxes were a bit lower with the C-Corp. You know, it is the structure usually preferred by any investor. Now, for you... June 2022, you know, you decide to turn page. So why did you do that? I mean, after so long, you know, over nine years or such uh, with Printful, you know, your biggest success, you know, I'm sure it was an incredible journey for you. What was that, uh, you know, moment where you say, I think it's time for me to to turn, you know, to another chapter? Yeah, well... I, over the nine years, it was just a tremendous journey of growth. And what I'm most happy with is creating the team within Printful. And I built a great team up. I spent a lot of time, you know, flying back and forth between the United States and Latvia. Actually, COVID came sort of in a blessing as well, because I was sort of more, um, you know, had to be forced to stay in Latvia. And as we exited COVID in 2021 slash 22, I actually saw that I didn't really want to, on a personal level, also to return to a level of um, traveling to the United States so extensively, spending the time. I was, you know, more basing myself personally in Europe. You know, got married, bought a house, and um, and I felt like just like a, you know, bringing up a child. There's an eventual time you need to let the child to go from high school to university. You have given that child. Uh, a lot, then you feel like you will be, you know, let the child do starting living independent life. So obviously now, you know, the, um, the, you can see now as, 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 as you were saying, Printful, you know, going on its own, you know, maturing, being now, you know, more than a baby, becoming more like an adult, I guess, I mean, obviously incredible journey, you know, a billion, you know, probably one of the um, first unicorns uh, there in Latvia. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of employees, I believe, you know, it's over 800 employees now or such, uh, or maybe more. Uh, but what's next for you? Well, uh, next for me is helping in other companies who are in a similar journey. Ideally, they are in a break-even phase uh, or ready to, you know, go on a hyper-growth. And uh, looking at companies here in the Baltics mostly, and uh, help them to expand internationally. You know, use our experience from the experience in the United States market. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of capital before, but now we have capital. Other founders actually have sold other companies uh, to other investors. So we're now investing between you know hundred thousand to a million, in some cases even up to two million, um, to help them. You know do what we did at Printful, right? You know, build out the team and scale. 
and uh, tackle international markets. So that's my primary focus. And they're in a group as well. We have other companies like uh, Carfleet uh, Telematics company MapOn, which I'm now a board member of, and help them to also eventually have the first cost, uh, first in outside investor on board, right? So as I said, and Printful, the journey was to prepare for that maybe three years prior to actually closing round. So map on that's still in the future. So I want to help that company. We actually have built, uh, have our first investment done already in, in a cosmetics space in, uh, in an e-commerce company that I'm also currently helping on. And when you're looking at investments, what, what are like the biggest check marks, you know, that are critical, you know, for you guys to to see that they tick so that you really take a, an investment seriously? Um, it needs to be an, an understandable business model, you know, how, you know, the company make, makes money. Like in Printful's case, it's pretty understandable, you know, it's actually selling physical products. So one is that. Uh, we need to see an upside, how we can actually be hands-on and help in a company instead of, you know, taking a really small part of the company being like, you know, a sub 1% owner, we want to be more like, you know, 10% or more owner. So we want to take an active role and help them. And ideally they need extra capital to accelerate, uh, you know, things that already has, you know, first signs of it being working. Um, and they need to be international and they need to uh, have a good working product already. And what I've seen a lot of cases from the companies in Baltics is that it's a great product that has great reviews, but companies often struggle to, you know, with performance marketing, really how to grow either sales through digital channels, partnerships, or in B2B, just, you know, direct sales. And that's something we did in Printful and just want to transfer over some of that knowledge. So if you could go back in time, Davis, you know, after nine years of pushing Printful and give yourself a piece of advice before launching a business, what would that be and why? Well, I still, you know, recommend to try to bring the product to MEP stage where it meets the customer as soon as possible. Um, and now I just know certain things more. Try to you know, grow on the shoulders of others. Like, you know, Purple's case, we really benefited from tapping into Shopify ecosystem, Etsy ecosystem, WooCommerce, et cetera. So I would, whenever I would research a new business idea, I would say whether I can tap into those existing channels where potential customers already hang out. So the Shopify has an app store. So if I have a channel like that, I would try to find a business that tap into that because if you do that, it really brings down your customer acquisition costs substantially. So I guess for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so, Davis? Uh, it's LinkedIn. Uh, these days it's mostly LinkedIn. Uh, I, I'm there uh, responding quickly and then, you know, email or a, or a meeting after that. Amazing. Well, Davis, thank you so much for being on the DealMaker Show. It has been an honor to have you with us today. Thank you. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. 
You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.